This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings at a single bound. Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper for truth, justice, and the American way. Justice and the American way. But before we join Superman, but before we join Superman, here's Nero somewhere in... Fellows and girls, somewhere in the Solomon Islands, there are a lot of big, tough fighting marines. And they're carrying guns that you may have helped to buy for them. That is, if you've been buying your share of war-saving stamps for victory. You see, every single dime you exchange for a war-saving stamp helps to buy the guns and bullets, planes and bombs, the ships and the shells that are going to lick the Nazis and the Japs. Now, we know that all red-blooded Americans know that all red-blooded Americans can't actually wear Uncle Sam's uniform. Because, well, because some of us are too young or too old to join the Army or Navy. But there is one big important way we can help. We can buy... We can lend our money to us into the hands of American fighting men. Why, do you know that your dime spent for a war stamp is the same dime used to buy five forty-five caliber bullets? I guess you know, too... And the Japs and the Nazis certainly do. And the Japs and the Nazis certainly do what a can do with five bullets. And speaking of sailors, you might be interested to learn that every time you buy five war stamps, that same 50 cents buys enough fuel oil to carry a destroyer a full mile closer to its objective. Now that makes buying war stamps pretty exciting, doesn't it? Now look, let's make a promise to ourselves right now. Let's promise to buy war-saving stamps every week regularly. And you can help even more than that. You can get your friends and your mother and father and all the people you know to buy war stamps and bonds regularly. They'll want to help, too, when you explain to them how important it is for all of us to do our share to help our brothers and friends in uniform. In this war, and we've got to help them. So remember, every time you've got a dime... Buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. In London, acting as foreign correspondent for the Daily Planet, 
Clark Kent and Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen, too, have been caught in a web of mystery surrounding the tiny men, strange creatures who are no taller than a 12-inch ruler. In our last episode, we heard how our friends made the acquaintance of Professor Giraud, who, although once a teacher of chemistry and science at the Sorbonne University in Paris, is now a humble attendant at Madame Tussaud's famous waxworks in London. Professor Giraud is guarding a secret which the Nazi Gestapo is anxious to get its hands on. As our last episode ended, our friends were discussing the mystery of the tiny men with Professor Giraud when an air raid started. A bomb crashed through the house and became lodged in the center of the room. Suddenly, Kent realized that falling timbers and debris had cut off their exit through the door. They were trapped in a dark room, in the center of which lay a delayed action bomb. Listen. The doorway blocked the falling timbers. We're caught in here. We can't get out. No, We've got to get out. That's a delayed action bomb. It may go off any second. Leap in mackerel, Mr. Kent. Isn't there anything you can do? What, what, what can I do, Jim? Well, I don't know, but golly, we got to do something or we're finished. Can't we get out through the window? The window that I told you are nailed shut. Oh, good grief. Let's watch him and get out of here. Is he too far? He dropped to the ground. There is no fire escape. Oh. This is a job for Superman. But first, I'd better pretend to pass out as Clark Kent. They'll never see me in the dark. What are you saying, Clark? I, I, I can't stand this nervous tension. Oh. My, my nerves never were anything oh. good. I tell you, physical violence of any sort frightens me just the way those tiny men frighten oh. you. Tiny men frighten you. I feel faint. Oh, gosh, Mr. Kent, try to... Oh, oh she's passed out cold. Well, that cream puff always was a big help and the going got tough. What's that? What was that noise? I don't know, Jimmy. Maybe I'd say that someone had pulled that bomb out of the floor. Someone did. Look, a shadow by the window. You're right, Jimmy. And it looks to me like... Jimmy! Like... Jimmy! It is Miss Lane. It is Miss Lane. It's the shadow of Superman. And he's got that bomb in his arms. Hey, Superman! Through the window. Up! Up! And away! Thank heaven I managed to get out of that room with this bomb before it went. Managed to get out of that room with this bomb before it went off. Hello, is that a Nazi bomb? Well, I think we may have. I'll just poke my index finger. I'll just poke my index finger through the steel. So. Push the pin down to set off the chemical firing mixture. Chemical firing mixture. Is right. This bomb ought to explode just as it hits that bomber. Look out. She's right back into your lap. Ah. Ah. Practically blew him out of the sky. Nice hunting. Nice hunting indeed. That house is where Sherlock Holmes lived, Mr. Kent? Yes, Jimmy. Well, did Sherlock Holmes actually exist? Well, that's a question, Jim. But I can tell you that a lot of people believe he did. The London Post Office receives thousands of letters every year addressed to Sherlock Holmes at this address. Gosh, he sure was a great detective. We could use somebody like him to clean up the mystery of the tiny men. We could also use somebody to clean up the mystery of the missing report. To me, how you came to be missing from Professor Giro's apartment last night after the lights went on. Well, I said... Well, at least you haven't explained it to my satisfaction. I told you I jumped out of the window. Oh, Clark. Well, people do crazy things under the influence of well, fear. Well, it seems mighty queer to me. One minute you're lying on the floor in a cold faint. And then when the lights go on, we hear you calling from the ground below, crying your head off about a sprained ankle. I twisted it when I fell. Oh, I see. Lucky I didn't break my neck. Lucky for whom? And another thing, that ankle of yours doesn't look any more sprained to me than mine does. Whoa. Well, it's not swollen or anything. Hey, listen, you two. If we don't hurry, we're going to be late for our appointment with Professor Giraud at Madame Tussaud's Waxworks. It's just around the corner. We won't be late. Come on. Gosh. I can hop. Gosh. I can hardly wait to see Madame Tussauds. 
Did the professor say he'd show us through the whole exhibit? Certainly did, Jim. The Chamber of Horrors and everything? Oh, Jimmy, you're impossible. I wouldn't mention the Chamber of Horrors, Jim. You see, it's an exhibit of notorious murders and things of that sort. Considering what happened last night... Gee, that's right. I to have thought of that. Well, just remember not to mention it again. Well, here we are at Madame Tussauds. And sure enough, there's Professor Giro in his attendance uniform. What a pity to think of a man with his intellect working at a job like that. Mm. Might be worse. At least it serves as a means of livelihood until he can go back to France and take up his duties at the university again. Mm. Oh, Professor, good afternoon. Bonjour, my friend. Good afternoon, Professor. I have a ring for you already to keep it. Coming to this way, through the town. Oh, thank you. That's nice. Gee, it's quite a place. That huge wide stairway going up to the second floor. That is where the exhibits are. All that is for the Chamber of Horrors. Huh? That is in this tenor. We will visit that later. Oh, gosh, we thought... Jimmy. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. Jimmy, I am not sure if the exhibit of historical figure is open yet. Would you mind... Yes. That is open yet. Would you mind asking that attendant standing over there? Oh, not at all. Be glad to. Excuse me, sir. Could you tell me if the exhibit of historical figures is missing? <laughs> <laughs> Mister, I said, could you tell me, Jumpin' Jiminy? He's made a wax. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a real man. I think he sure got a hand it to Madame Tussaud. <laughs> Madame Tussaud, Jimmy, was a supreme artist. Her wax statues are more lifelike than the people themselves. I can believe that. Well, come, my friend. Let us go upstairs to the exhibit. Professor, I understand visitors can buy small wax statues as souvenirs. That, are they expensive? I do not really know, mademoiselle. You might ask that attendant standing there. Very well. Oh, no. You can't play the same trick twice, Professor. Can I help you, miss? Oh, why, he is real. <laughs> I thought he was made of wax. Don't start your miss, if I may say so. I should say it is. Oh, my friends, this way. It is a deliberate trick, you see, having some attendants made of wax and some real. The real ones stand perfectly motionless so that it is almost impossible after a time to tell which is which. It's <laughs> a wonderful joke. Say, what's in this small room off here? That is the room of fairy tales. Oh. To my own mind, it is the finest part of the exhibit. I am especially in love with this leaping beauty. Come, I will show her to you. Gosh, what a room. Each exhibit has its own special light, hmm? Yes, a special spotlight for each. Each one in different colors, of course. Uh-huh. The lights set the mood. There, for instance, is Sleeping Beauty, and there is a soft blue light on her. Oh, isn't it lovely, Clark? Sleeping Beauty lying on that couch and the young prince bending over about to kiss her and wake her up. Oh, it's enchanting. Hey, look. Hmm? She's breathing. What? Well, sure, look. Her hands are folded across her, and they're rising and falling as she breathes. Well, isn't that amazing? It is indeed. A most starting realistic effect. Starting realistic effect. There is a little bellows inside the figure, operated by a small motor. Oh. Yes, yes, she is indeed the most beautiful creature I have ever set eyes on. My Professor, you sound as if she were... My Professor, you sound as if she were actually alive. Sometimes to me she seems that... Oh, well, never mind. Here is the next fairy tale, exhibiting the dragon with a javelin. Oh, hey, Scott, that is realistic. You are right. As a matter of fact, it looks more realistic to me than usual. It has probably been touched up by the artists in the past few days. And do you have a staff of artists who go about touching up these exhibits? Oh, yes, yes, these statues require a good deal of care. Yes. Hey, Golly, look at this exhibit over here. What is it, Jim? Well, it's Gulliver in the land of the Lilliputians. Lilliputians, Jim. Uh-huh. Lilliputians, Jim. Uh-huh. Really? That should be interesting. Let's have a look. 
What's the matter, Professor? Something wrong? No, 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 no. It is nothing. It, it is only that those lily pustians, they are so like the tiny men. So like the tiny men. Oh, yes, of course. Jim does manage to put his foot into things now and then, Professor. I'm That's sorry. all right. It, come, do not let us spoil the boys' fun. Gosh, look how big Dollar is and how small those men are. Those men are. Sorry. I bet they look just like the tiny men. Don't they, Miss Lane? Yes, Jim, they do. As a matter of fact, they are about the same size. It gives me a queer feeling just to look at them. Now, take it easy, Lois. Just the sight of something like that. Harmless as it is, it brings back a... Oh, let's look back a... oh, Let's look at another exhibit. All right. Let's take a look at it. All right. Let's take a look at it. Wait a minute. What's the matter, Clark? What is it? I thought I saw... I did see it. Look! What? One of those little fusions is... Look! What? One of those little fusions is moving. Hey, moving? He's coming right toward us. No, he's here. He's no way. He's here. He's here. One of these tiny men. What do we do? Stand where you are. Don't move. Oh, Clark! Look! Clark! The little thing is stopping. It's lifting its arm. Oh, golly. It's pointing a finger at you, Professor. I cannot... Stop! Oh, Sarah Lois, you mean she's fainted. Oh, gosh, she's always fainting. Just when things are getting excited. Yes, yes, yes. Easy does it, Professor. The trick, you hear? A trick. Let me handle it. What? What was that? Something moved at the other side of the room. Something moved at the other side of the room. Mr. Kent, look. Look. Jimmy, what? The Black Knight. He's moving, too. What? He's raising that javelin. Look out. He's going to throw it at the Professor. Well, strange things seem to be happening in the fairy tale room at Madame Tussaud's Waxworks in London. It begins to look as if we may be reaching a solution to the mystery of the tiny men. For with Superman on the scene, even in his disguise of Clark Kent, you may be certain nothing will escape him. Be certain nothing will escape him. In any event, be sure to hear the next thrill-packed episode. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Yes, be sure to tune in again tomorrow for another thrilling Superman episode. And don't forget what else you're going to do tomorrow. You're going to buy war stamps as you're going to buy war stamps as often as you can get mother or dad to give you a dime. Now you know when you see that big capital S on a three-cornered shield, you'll recognize it as the emblem of Superman, and you know at once what that stands for. Likewise, when you see the capital letters U.S. on a war-saving stamp or bond, you'll recognize them as the emblem of Uncle Sam and Uncle Sam. And it represents a pledge from Uncle Sam to you. His pledge to use every dime you lend him when you buy war-saving stamps for more bullets and guns and planes and all the other things the American armed forces need to win a smashing victory from the Nazis and the Japs. So don't put off buying war stamps. Buy one every time you've got a dime. Uncle Dime. Uncle Sam is depending on you. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same day through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, we do something right here. Uh-huh. 
Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend the steel in his bare hand, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Yes, fellows and girls, here is an important message for you. A message that comes direct from our fighting marines in the Solomon Islands. A message echoed by our blue jackets on the high seas, by the boys who wear our army and navy wings, by our tank troops in Africa, our commandos in England. In fact, by every man in the American armed forces, no matter where he may be. And here's the message. We're going to win this war, they say. We're going to wipe Hitlerism and fascism off the face of this earth. We've taken on the job and we're going to see it through, but we can't do it alone. We can't do it without the help of every boy and girl and every man and woman back home. Now, we know that one way we can help those boys fight this war to a victorious finish is to see that they get all the guns and tanks and ships and planes they need. For those things require a lot of money, and that's where you and I come in. We help our government to buy those war materials by lending them our money, by buying all the war stamps we possibly can. Why, right at this moment, probably, there's a detachment of American commandos carrying through a raid on occupied France. And they're equipped with guns and tanks and protected by planes and ships that you help to buy. That is, if you've been buying war-saving stamps regularly. Now, let's make a promise to ourselves right now. Let's promise to buy war-saving stamps regularly as often as we can. Tell mother and dad about it and see if you can't get them to give you a dime a day for a war stamp or even a dime every other day. Remember that every dime is important because 10 cents will buy five 45 caliber bullets to be used by our soldiers, sailors, and Marines. Five dimes will buy enough fuel oil to take an American destroyer one full mile closer to its objective. And a dime a day from all the fellows and girls in the United States will buy enough fast pursuit planes to blast Hitler's Luftwaffe out of the sky. So start right now to do your share to win this war. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you know, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen are now in London, where Kent and Lois are acting as foreign correspondents. 
they have made the acquaintance of a certain Professor Giraud, a scientist who has invented a secret formula the Nazis want desperately. To obtain the formula, the ingenious Dr. Heinrich Weit, Gestapo agent, once again made use of the mysterious tiny men, men no taller than a 12-inch ruler. But again, thanks to Superman, the tiny men failed. Dr. Weit is still on the trail of the formula. He has also been ordered to remove Kent and Lois. As our story continues today, we find Lois and Jimmy visiting the Tower of London. It is four o'clock of a windy afternoon, shortly before closing time. Gosh, it's cold out here on the lawn. Wind cuts through you like a knife. Well, you said you wanted to see the spot where the scaffold used to stand. Well, let's hurry up and see it and go. We haven't seen the bloody tower yet, Jimmy, and I've got to have a look at that before we go. It'll make an interesting story for the Daily Planet. The bloody tower? Gee, now you're talking. I'd like to see the bloody tower myself. Look, here's the spot where the scaffold used to stand. Yeah? See, it's marked off with posts and chains. It was on this very spot that many famous people were beheaded. Sir Walter Raleigh, the Earl of Essex, Lady Jane Grey was beheaded. I beg you pardon, miss. Oh, Oh, it's one of the beef eaters. Fellows who guard the tower. Gosh, look at that costume he's wearing. This costume, lad, has not been changed in over 300 years. It's the traditional costume of the warders of the Tower of London. Gee. I couldn't help over you and you give the lad a a bit of misinformation, miss. So I just thought I'd step in and set you right. Oh? Ah, Lady John Grey wasn't beheaded on this spot at all. The head was taken off that lady in the bloody tower itself. If you'd be interested in seeing the exact spot, I'd be glad to show it to you. We were just about to visit the bloody tower, but I certainly don't want to impose the Oh, no imposition at all, miss. Here's the entrance to the tower, just through that arch. Follow me. Gosh, Miss Lane, this place certainly seems deserted. I'm beginning to get kind of a funny feeling. Oh, it's just the atmosphere, Jimmy. It, it is sort of depressing. Look at that gray winter sky and those black, forbidding towers silhouetted against it. Gosh, even Big Ben sounds melancholy. Yeah. Well, here we are inside the tower. That big old door there closes off the entrance to the cellar. If you'll wait here for me, I'll get the keys. Certainly. I will be more than half a tick, Oh, miss. take your time. There's no hurry. Well? I ain't going through with it, Dr. White. Miss Lane and the boy are out there? Yes, but I... And since you've gone this far, you'll finish the job. I tell you, don't... Stop being a fool, Slippery. Don't call me that out loud. Not here. Somebody might hear you. There is no one about now. Listen to me. You're in this up to your neck. You've got to go through with it. You know as well as I do that if the London police lay hands on you, it means life imprisonment. Oh, yes, yes, but I... I'm the man who can tell them exactly where to find you. Now, enough of this talk, Slippery. Those two beef eaters whose costumes we borrowed and who are now resting quietly in that closet over there may come to it any moment. We've got to get this job done before the tower closes for the day. You have your orders. Carry them out. I've never committed murder before. There's 100 pounds in this for you if you do. There's life imprisonment if you don't. Make up your mind. All right. All right, I'll do it. Excellent. Now, go. You ready, miss? Yes, we'll have to hurry, I'm afraid. It's almost closing time. Oh, you needn't worry your head about that. I'll see that you get out all right. Half a tick and I'll have this door open. Okay. Gosh, look at the size of that key. Aye, lad. Everything was made strong and solid back 300 years ago. This door now... Stout oak it is. Uh, you'd never be able to break through that. I guess not. Uh, there we are. Now, if you'll just follow me. Oh, golly, it looks 
Awfully spooky down there. Nothing but a big black hole. And the air is... Well, it's foul. Oh, this place ain't been opened in many a month, miss. Not since it was closed off to the public. I'm not sure I want to go down into that cellar water. Oh, gosh, Miss Lane, why not? Aye, miss. There's not to arm you. I've got a flashlight with me and the air will soon clear. And the lad does want to see the torture instruments, the rack and all that. And you wants to see that room where Lady Jean Grey was beheaded. Oh, I didn't particularly want to see it. It seems to me that you practically insisted on it. Oh, now, look here, miss. I ain't insisting on nothing, I ain't. If you don't want to see it, you don't want to see it. Though I must say you're passing up a mighty fine chance. I suppose you're right. Very well. Lead the way. That's the spirit, miss. Come along. Watch your step careful on those stone stairs. They're wall way bad in spots. Yes, be careful, Jimmy. Oh, don't worry about me. Gosh, isn't it damp and clammy down in here? Sure is. Look at those cobwebs. Oh, how long did you say this cellar has been closed off to the public? Oh, months now, lad. Months. Oh. Well, I guess that would be long enough for cobwebs like these. Well, they sure look like they've been here for centuries. They ought to air this place out now and then, too. Almost impossible to... What what was that? Something just ran across the beam of your flashlight. Uh, Just a mouse, miss. It looked a lot larger than a mouse. It was the shadow you saw. Ah, here we are now. This here's the cellar. The beheading room is over this way. Follow me. You know, I... I sort of wish we hadn't come down here. The place gives me the creeps. Does me too, Jim. Oh, make a good story, though, and... I must say, Here's I... Here's the door leading to the beheading room. The room where Lady Jane Grey lost her head. <laughs> That's a joke, miss. Lost her head. Get it? Yes. I'll just open the door and we'll go in. That's another one of those huge oak doors. Aye. This one is all of a foot thick. Lock's a bit rusty. Ah. Uh, yeah. That does it. There we are. Now, if you'll just step inside... Yes, certainly. Come on, Jim. All right, with you. Terribly dark in here. Could you just flash your light? Jim, the door is closing. Jim, leave the mattress. Jim, quick! Open the door! There, it's done. They won't be found for months, maybe years. Now to get out of here and get out fast. Trapped in the dungeon of a condemned cellar in the bloody tower, Jimmy and Lois are in a bad way indeed. Hours later, having become worried about them when they failed to appear for dinner, Clark Kent arrives at the tower gate in search of his friends. Hold! In the king's name, who goes? My name is Clark Kent. I'm an American reporter. And You'll I'm... have to come back tomorrow, sir. If you wish to see the tower, it's closed now. But you don't understand. I'm looking for some friends of mine who came to visit the tower today and who haven't returned home yet. Well, I'm sure they're not in the tower, sir. It's rare that anyone gets locked in. However, come with me to the gatehouse and we'll get in touch with the night waters. I'm sure you'll find that they are nowhere within the tower. And really, Mr. Kent, I'm at the end of my patience. But I tell you, if you... We've spent an hour and a half searching the entire Tower of London, sir. Even though the night waters assured you your friends were not here. Well, isn't there... We've just finished going through the bloody tower, and you now ask if there isn't any other place we can search. But couldn't your friends have gone somewhere else when they left here? Well, they might have, but I... Wait a minute. Where does that door lead to? To the cellar. 
in what used to be the torture chamber. The rack is down there in a room known as the beheading room. Well, how about having a look down there? Well, that's out of the question, sir. Why? That cell has been closed off to the public for over three months now. It's been condemned as being unsafe. Oh. No, your friends couldn't possibly be down there. You see, it's not permitted, sir. Uh Uh-huh. I see. Oh, look here. I I know you're worried, and, well, I'd like to help you. Let's go into the gatehouse. It's right over there. And call your flat. Perhaps your friends have returned by this time. All right, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Well, come along, then. Thank you. Here we are. I'll put the call through. What's your telephone number? Westminster 76824. Right. Hello. Are you there? Westminster 76824. Thank you. Oh, here you are, sir. They're ringing now. Oh, thank you. Hello. Uh, hello, who is this? Professor Giro. Oh. Is that you, Mr. Kent? Yes, Professor. I heard the phone ringing in your flat here, and I came in to answer it. Have you found Mademoiselle Lane and Jimmy? Well, no, that's why I'm calling. I-, I wondered if they had returned. No, no, they have not. No? Perhaps if you... <clears throat> no. Hello. Professor, is something wrong? The tiny men, they are here. What? They have come for me. The tiny men. Hello. Professor. Professor. Is something wrong? Plenty. I've got to leave. Excuse me. This calls for fast work. It also calls for Superman. Up, up, and away! Well, things certainly are beginning to happen. What of Jimmy and Lois in the cellar of the Bloody Tower? Will Superman find them in time? And what of Professor Giraud and the Tiny Men? By the way, have you solved the mystery of the Tiny Men yet? Well, be sure to listen tomorrow, same time, same station, for an important clue. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Fellows and girls, don't ever get the idea there's nothing you can do to help to win this war. Of course, we can't all be members of Uncle Sam's armed forces. Because, well, because some of us are too young or too old. But that doesn't mean we can't get into this fight. No, sir. Because there is one big important thing we can do. We've got to see that our fighters are supplied with all the bullets and guns and the tanks and ships and planes they need to wipe Hitlerism and fascism off the face of the earth by buying all the war-saving stamps and bonds that we possibly can. Because every time we do, we lend our government money with which to finance our fight. So remember, talk with Mother and Dad tonight about giving you a dime every day or every other day for war-saving stamps. And buy extra stamps from your weekly allowance, too. Talk about it with all your friends. Get them to make a pledge with you to buy war-saving stamps regularly. Faster than a speeding bullet. More car balls than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. 
able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Fellas and girls, every day the city, state, and national offices of civilian defense organizations are swamped with letters from young people like yourselves. And most of these letters ask, what can I do, what part can I take in the national war effort? The writers of these letters are all too young to join the United States Armed Forces, too young to join any of the numerous home defense groups. And yet they ask, isn't there something we can do? Some of you listening now are no doubt among those who have written those letters. And I'll bet many of you who have not written have thought the same thing. Well, the answer is a very simple one, and here it is. You can do your part in civilian defense. You can help win this war by buying war-saving stamps regularly. How does that help you, ask? How can my dime or 20 or 40 or 50 cents help win this war? That's easy. For instance, your dime, just 10 cents, will buy five forty-five caliber bullets. That can be used by our soldiers, sailors, or Marines to knock five Japs or five Nazis out of commission. And believe me, it's going to take a lot of those bullets to knock them all out and win this war. Another thing, 50 cents, which represents five ten cents, or two 25-cent war-saving stamps, will buy enough fuel oil to bring one of our destroyers a full mile closer to the Jap fleet in the Solomon Islands. And you know what happens when our Navy gets close enough to turn on the heat. And here's one more thing for you to think over. If every fella and girl in the United States bought at least five ten-cent war-saving stamps every day, the amount of money they would lend to the government would buy enough fighter planes and bombers to blast Hitler's Luftwaffe right out of the air. So remember that each and every dime is important. That buying war-saving stamps is a very important way to help win this war. So why not pledge today to buy war-saving stamps regularly? And keep in mind this slogan. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman is now trying to solve the mystery of the tiny men. The tiny men have on several occasions appeared in London where Kent and Lois Lane, girl reporter, are now working as foreign correspondents. No taller than an ordinary milk bottle or a 12-inch ruler, the tiny men are nevertheless deadly, for they've already caused the death of the daughter of Professor Giraud a scientist who possesses a secret formula desperately wanted by the Nazis. In our last episode, we heard how Jimmy and Lois, while visiting the Tower of London, were trapped by a Nazi agent in a condemned dungeon of the Bloody Tower. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, investigated the Tower that night but failed to find his friend. At the suggestion of the Chief Warder, he telephoned their hotel, thinking they might have returned. Professor Giraud answered the phone. In the midst of their conversation, the professor suddenly screamed in fear. The tiny men, he cried. They're here. They're after me. The phone went dead. Leaving the tower quickly, Superman stripped off the disguise of Clark Kent and went into action. We join him now as he streaks down out of the night sky and lands in front of the boarding house on Bayswater Road. There. That didn't take me long. Fortunately, the streets are deserted at this hour. I'd better get inside and see what's happened to Professor Giroux. No time to change identities. 
Ah, there's the flat. Door wide open. Mm. Professor Giraud lying on the floor. Great Scott. Mm. Professor. Professor Giraud. Is that you, Monsieur Kent? Is there... No. Who are you? Never mind that now. I'm here to help you. Tell me quickly what happened. I, I have the telephone ringing. Yes. I came in here to answer it. I know. It was a friend of mine, Clark Kent. He wanted to know... Yes, yes, but what happened here? While I, I talked to him, I had movement behind me. I turned... Yes, yes, go on. Try to go on, please. Tiny men. Three, four of them what? standing in the doorway. The sight of them so queer, so strange. I fainted. They have always filled me with horror. And I am an old man. What then? What uh, happened after that? When I came to my senses, there were two men in the room. They called each other Muller and Dr. Wright. Oh? I have heard of Dr. Wright before. Cruel, vicious, shrewd. I... I talk too much. I have not much time. I must tell you. I must tell you. Yes, go on. They... They forced me, forced me to tell where I eat the formula. What? They are on their way now to get it. They must not. They must not. With that formula in that possession, the world, the entire world is doomed. Where is it? The formula, I, where is it? Tell me quickly. I, I eat it. I, I am so tired. Tell me, where is the formula? Tired. Sleep. Sleep. Oh. Well, he'll never tell me now. Funny, though, his talking about sleep at a time like this. A dying man in these circumstances doesn't talk about sleep. Is he trying to tell me something? And if he was, what? Sleep. Doesn't make sense. Wait a minute and let... Yes, by heaven, it does. Sleep, of course. It couldn't mean anything else but that. Oh, if only I'm in time. If only... Out the window. Now then, up, up, and away! Faster than a speeding bullet, Superman wings his way across a silent, blacked-out London. Even as he does so, the warning wail of an air raid alert breaks the silence. And shortly after, the dull thudding of the Akak guns announced the arrival of enemy planes. And while the Luftwaffe tries to break through the defenses of London, as the RAF wings into the sky to do battle, a quiet scene is taking place outside the fairy tale exhibit at Madame Tussauds Waxworks. Here, yeah, come up. Here's the entrance to the fairy tale exhibit. We shall soon have what we want, and then we'll, uh, then we shall really be masters of the world, eh? Well, is this formula, is it really so important? What exactly the formula is, I do not know. As to its importance, well, would I have been called to Dr. Garden to confer with our beloved Führer if it were not important? The Führer himself told me that on that formula depended the possible winning or losing of the war. You, you think we shall be rewarded handsomely, eh? <laughs> We shall indeed. Now then, see if you can find a light switch. There should be one right here by the door. I saw it here. Look, the exhibits themselves light up. Yeah. I see they have replaced the exhibit of the Black Knight following that stupid failure of our henchmen. There is the Gulliver exhibit. And over there is the one we are looking for. Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Doctor, what is that figure standing over there? Hmm? Oh, the one in the red cape and the blue suit. Yes, with the letter S on his chest. Oh, probably some legendary hero of the English. I've never seen anything like him before. But come, the formula. 
Professor Giro said he had placed it between the hands of the sleeping beauty. Between the hands, yes. And there are her hands clasped across her breast. Will they break if we separate them? What does it matter? Look, Muller, my own hands are trembling. I who pride myself on my calm nerve, I tremble at the thought that in another moment the formula will be in our possession. Yes. I, too, am, am, am not myself. There's a feeling of, of tension in the air. Feeling that... Yes, quiet. I am now about to separate the hands of this wax figure. Now. Ah! Doctor, we have been tricked. The formula's not here. But Professor Chigros... He lied. He tricked us. He did not lie, Dr. White. What? Who said that? I did, Dr. White. But to leave her. Doctor, look. The wax figure. The man in the red cape is coming toward us. You're right, Miller. Wrong again. I'm no wax figure. I'm flesh and blood, as you two gentlemen will find out in a moment or two. I have a gun, whoever you are. And you know how to shoot it. You people always use the same line. Yeah. Well, if we must go through this dreary business again, let's get over it quickly. Point your gun at me and shoot. You have the formula. Hand it over. I have the formula, but I'm not handing it over. Finders keepers, you know. Then I'm afraid I must kill you, Come my friend. Come here, not to fight. <coughs> you Nazi spokes that you're supermen. Let's That's see what you can do against a real superman. My throat. Set your hands up my throat. Mala! I'm getting out of there quickly. Oh, no, you're not. He flies. He flies for there. The greatest of ease. Sorry to do this, Mala. I'm afraid it'll hurt you more than it will me. Not so fast, fight. What have you or your men done with Miss Lane and Jimmy Olsen? I know nothing whatever about... That was just a love tap, Doctor. I want you to remain conscious until you tell me where they are. I tell you, I know nothing whatever. Come on now, before I lose my temper. I, I know nothing about them. I, I swear that you hear. I, I swear it. Mike, let's get one thing straight. No. Something happened to Jimmy and Miss Lane in the Tower of London today. I'm as sure of that as I've ever been of anything. You can save us both a great deal of trouble by telling me where they are. I haven't really started working on your fight, no. and I don't want to. No. But I will if you force me to. Now then, are you going to talk, or aren't you? Even as Superman tries to force Dr. Vite to reveal the whereabouts of Lois Lane and Jimmy, the girl reporter and the Daily Planet's copy boy lie imprisoned in the dark cellar of the Bloody Tower. Far in the distance, they can hear the dull reverberations of German bombs falling on London. Jim, did you hear that? Yeah, kind of close. Jimmy, I don't like this. You remember what that so-called guard said about the cellar being closed off to visitors because it was unsafe? Yeah. Well, the bombings London has been subjected to must have done a great deal to weaken the supporting arches and beams down here. That rumbling we heard. I think it was one of the arches beginning to give way. Weeping mackerel. In that case, I wouldn't be surprised if this room collapsed on us. Nor I. Well, be a quicker death than starvation. Oh, gosh, don't talk about it. My stomach feels as empty as the inside of a bass drum. Miss Lane, do you think Mr. Kent will find us, maybe, huh? Well, he'll investigate, of course. He knows we came to the tower this afternoon. But I don't think they'll ever think of looking down here. No, Jimmy, I guess you and I might just as well. Jim, hey, something hit me on the head. I heard like old Harry, too. Wait a minute, my hand just touched it. What is it? It's a piece of rock. Gee, that means the ceiling above oh, us. Maybe not, Miss Lane. Maybe. Oh, why fool ourselves, Jim? This room is over five hundred years old. They built them strong in those days, but not that strong. And that ceiling up there is beginning to give way at last. If another bomb or two falls anywhere near the Tower of London, our goose will be done to a turn. Uh oh! Speak of the devil. Sounds like one of those German planes just dropped a stack of bombs right on the tower itself. 
Listen to him. He's still exploring. Jimmy, listen. Nothing Jimmy or Lois can do. But there's plenty Superman could do if only he arrives in time. Everything depends on how long it takes him to force the confession from Dr. Byte. In our next episode, we'll know what happened. We'll also hear the solution to the strange mystery of the tiny men. Have you figured out the answer to the tiny men yet? Who are these strange little creatures no bigger than a milk bottle? Well, if you want the answer, be sure to listen in Monday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Well, there goes Superman until Monday of next week. Meanwhile, don't let the weekend go by without buying your share of war-saving stamps. And remember what I told you at the beginning of this program, you fellows and girls who are too young to join the armed forces or any of the national defense organizations. You can do your part. You can help win this war by buying war-saving stamps regularly. So talk it over tonight with mother and dad. Ask them to give you a dime every day or even every other day for war-saving stamps. And then buy some extra stamps out of your regular weekly allowance. Get all your friends to buy stamps regularly, too. Or better yet, why not organize a war-saving stamp club right on your block or in your neighborhood? Make this your club slogan. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. Faster than a speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Fellas and girls, every day the city, state, and national offices of civilian defense organizations are swamped with letters from young people like yourselves. And most of these letters ask, what can I do, what part can I take in the national war effort? The writers of these letters are all too young to join the United States Armed Forces too young to join any of the numerous home defense groups. And yet they ask, isn't there something we can do? 
Some of you listening now are no doubt among those who have written those letters. And I'll bet many of you who have not written have thought the same thing. Well, the answer is a very simple one, and here it is. You can do your part in civilian defense. You can help win this war by buying war savings stamps regularly. How does that help you, ask? How can my dime or 20 or 40 or 50 cents help win this war? That's easy. For instance, your dime, just 10 cents, will buy five 45 caliber bullets that can be used by our soldiers, sailors, or Marines to knock five Japs or five Nazis out of commission. And believe me, it's going to take a lot of those bullets to knock them all out and win this war. Another thing, 50 cents, which represents five 10 cents, or two 25-cent war-saving stamps, will buy enough fuel oil to bring one of our destroyers a full mile closer to the Jap fleet in the Solomon Islands. And you know what happens when our Navy gets close enough to turn on the heat. And here's one more thing for you to think over. If every fella and girl in the United States bought at least five ten-cent war-saving stamps every day, the amount of money they would lend to the government would buy enough fighter planes and bombers to blast Hitler's Luftwaffe right out of the air. So remember that each and every dime is important. That buying war-saving stamps is a very important way to help win this war. So why not pledge today to buy war-saving stamps regularly? And keep in mind this slogan. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman is now trying to solve the mystery of the tiny men. The tiny men have on several occasions appeared in London where Kent and Lois Lane, girl reporter, are now working as foreign correspondents. No taller than an ordinary milk bottle or a 12-inch ruler, the tiny men are nevertheless deadly, for they've already caused the death of the daughter of Professor Giraud, a scientist who possesses a secret formula desperately wanted by the Nazis. In our last episode, we heard how Jimmy and Lois, while visiting the Tower of London, were trapped by a Nazi agent in a condemned dungeon of the Bloody Tower. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, investigated the tower that night but failed to find his friend. At the suggestion of the chief warder, he telephoned their hotel, thinking they might have returned. Professor Giraud answered the phone. In the midst of their conversation, the professor suddenly screamed in fear. The tiny men, he cried. They're here. They're after me. The phone went dead. Leaving the tower quickly, Superman stripped off the disguise of Clark Kent and went into action. We join him now as he streaks down out of the night sky and lands in front of the boarding house on Bayswater Road. There. That didn't take me long. Fortunately, the streets are deserted at this hour. I'd better get inside and see what's happened to Professor Giraud. No time to change identities. Ah, there's the flat. Door wide open. Mm. Professor Giraud lying on the floor. Great Scott. Mm. Professor. Professor Giraud. Is that you, Monsieur Kent? Is that... No! Who are you? Never mind that now. I'm here to help you. Tell me quickly what happened. I, I have the telephone ringing. Yes. I came in here to answer it. I know. It was a friend of mine, Clark Kent. He wanted to know... Yes, yes, but what happened here? While I, I talked to him, I had movement behind me. I turned... Yes, yes, go on. Try to go on, please. Tiny men... Three, four of them what? standing in the doorway. The sight of them so queer, so strange. I think it. They have always filled me with horror. And I am an old man. What then? Uh, what happened after that? When I came to my senses, there were two men in the room. They called each other Muller and Dr. Wright. Oh? 
I have heard of Dr. Wright before. Cruel, vicious, shrewd. I... I talk too much. I have not much time. I must tell you. I must tell you. Yes, go on. They... They forced me, forced me to tell where I eat the formula. What? They are on their way now to get it. They must not. They must not. With that formula in that possession, the world, the entire world is doomed. Where is it? The formula, I, where is it? Tell me I, quickly. I, I eat it. I, I'm so tired. Tell me, where is the formula? Tired. Sleep. Sleep. Oh. Well, you'll never tell me now. Funny, though, his talking about sleep at a time like this. A dying man in these circumstances doesn't talk about sleep. Is he trying to tell me something? And if he was, what? Sleep. Doesn't make sense. Wait a minute and let... Yes, by heaven, it does. Sleep, of course. It couldn't mean anything else but that. Oh, if only I'm in time. If only... Out the window. Now then, up, up, and away! Faster than a speeding bullet, Superman wings his way across a silent, blacked-out London. Even as he does so, the warning wail of an air raid alert breaks the silence. And shortly after, the dull thudding of the Akak guns announced the arrival of enemy planes. And while the Luftwaffe tries to break through the defenses of London, as the RAF wings into the sky to do battle, a quiet scene is taking place outside the fairy tale exhibit at Madame Tussauds Waxworks. Here, come on up. Here's the entrance to the fairy tale exhibit. We shall soon have what we want, and then we'll, uh, then we shall really be masters of the world, eh? Well, is this formula, is it really so important? What exactly the formula is, I do not know. As to its importance, well, would I have been called to Dr. Garden to confer with our beloved Führer if it were not important? The Führer himself told me that on that formula depended the possible winning or losing of the war. You, you think we shall be rewarded handsomely, eh? <laughs> We shall indeed. Now then, see if you can find a light switch. There should be one right here by the door. I saw it here. Huh? Look, the exhibits themselves light up. Yeah. I see they have replaced the exhibit of the Black Knight following that stupid failure of our henchmen. There is the Gulliver exhibit. And over there is the one we are looking for. Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Doctor, what is that figure standing over there? Hmm? Oh, the one in the red cape and the blue suit. Yes, with the letter S on his chest. Oh, probably some legendary hero of the English. I've never seen anything like him before. But come, the formula. Professor Giro said he had placed it between the hands of the sleeping beauty. Between the hands, yes. And there are her hands clasped across her breast. Will they break if we separate them? What does it matter? Look, Muller, my own hands are trembling. I who pride myself on my calm nerve, I tremble at the thought that in another moment, the formula will be in our possession. Yes. I, too, am, am, am not myself. There's a feeling of, of tension in the air. Feeling that... Shh, quiet. I am now about to separate the hands of this wax figure. Now. <gasps> hey, doctor, we have been tricked. The formula's not here. But Professor Giraud said... He lied. He tricked us. He did not lie, Dr. White. What? Who said that? I did, Dr. White. But to leave her. Doctor, look. The wax figure... The man in the red cape is coming toward us. You're right, Muller. Wrong again. I'm no wax figure. I'm flesh and blood, as you two gentlemen will find out in a moment or two. I have a gun, whoever you are. And you know how to shoot it. You people always use the same line. Well, if we must go through this dreary business again, let's get over it quickly. Point your gun at me and shoot. 
You have the formula. Hand it over. I have the formula, but I'm not handing it over. Finders keepers, you know. Then I'm afraid I must kill you, Come my friend. Come here, now, don't fight. You Nazi spokes that you're supermen. Let's see what you can do against a real superman. My throat. Take your hands off my throat. Mala. I'm getting out of there. Oh, no, you're not. He's lying. He's lying for there. The greatest of ease. Sorry to do this, Mala. I'm afraid it'll hurt you more than it will me. Not so fast, fight. What have you or your men done with Miss Lane and Jimmy Olsen? I know nothing whatever about that. That was just a love tap, Doctor. I want you to remain conscious until you tell me where they are. I tell you, I know nothing about Come on now, before I lose my temper. I, I know nothing about them. I, I swear it, you hear? I, I swear it. Fight, let's get one thing straight. No. Something happened to Jimmy and Miss Lane in the Tower of London today. I'm as sure of that as I've ever been of anything. You can save us both a great deal of trouble by telling me where they are. I haven't really started working on your fight, no. and I don't want to. No. But I will if you force me to. Now then, are you going to talk, or aren't you? Even as Superman tries to force Dr. Vibe to reveal the whereabouts of Lois Lane and Jimmy, the girl reporter and the Daily Planet's copy boy lie imprisoned in the dark cellar of the Bloody Tower. Far in the distance, they can hear the dull reverberations of German bombs falling on London. Jim, did you hear that? Yeah, kind of close. Jimmy, I don't like this. You remember what that so-called guard said about the cellar being closed off to visitors because it was unsafe? Yeah. Well, the bombings London has been subjected to must have done a great deal to weaken the supporting arches and beams down here. That rumbling we heard. I think it was one of the arches beginning to give way. Weeping mackerel. In that case, I wouldn't be surprised if this room collapsed on us. Nor I. Well, it'd be a quicker death than starvation. Oh, gosh, don't talk about it. My stomach feels as empty as the inside of a bass drum. Miss Lane, do you think Mr. Kent will find us maybe, huh? Well, he'll investigate, of course. He knows we came to the tower this afternoon. But I don't think they'll ever think of looking down here. No, Jimmy, I guess you and I might just as well. Jim, hey, something hit me on the head. I heard like old Harry, too. Wait a minute, my hand just touched it. What is it? It's a piece of rock. Gee, that means the ceiling above us. Oh, maybe not, Miss Lane. Maybe. Oh, why fool ourselves, Jim? This room is over five hundred years old. They built them strong in those days, but not that strong. And that ceiling up there is beginning to give way at last. If another bomb or two falls anywhere near the Tower of London, our goose will be done to a turn. Uh oh, speak of the devil. Sounds like one of those German planes just dropped a stack of bombs right on the tower itself. Listen to them. They'll explode. Jimmy, listen. There's nothing Jimmy or Lois can do. But there's plenty Superman could do if only he arrives in time. Everything depends on how long it takes him to force the confession from Dr. Byte. In our next episode, we'll know what happened. We'll also hear the solution to the strange mystery of the tiny men. Have you figured out the answer to the tiny men yet? Who are these strange little creatures no bigger than a milk bottle? Well, if you want the answer, be sure to listen in Monday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. 
Well, there goes Superman until Monday of next week. Meanwhile, don't let the weekend go by without buying your share of war-saving stamps. And remember what I told you at the beginning of this program, you fellows and girls who are too young to join the armed forces or any of the national defense organizations. You can do your part. You can help win this war by buying war-saving stamps regularly. So talk it over tonight with Mother and Dad. Ask them to give you a dime every day or even every other day for war-saving stamps. And then buy some extra stamps out of your regular weekly allowance. Get all your friends to buy stamps regularly, too. Or better yet, why not organize a war-saving stamp club right on your block or in your neighborhood? Make this your club slogan. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, send steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper for truth, justice, and the American way. Justice and the American way. But before we join Superman, but before we join Superman, here is a hero somewhere in... Fellows and girls, somewhere in the Solomon Islands, there are a lot of big, tough, fighting marines. And they're carrying guns that you may have helped to buy for them. 
That is, if you've been buying your share of war-saving stamps for victory. You see, every single dime you exchange for a war-saving stamp helps to buy the guns and bullets, planes and bombs, the ships and the shells that are going to lick the Nazis and the Japs. Now, we know that all red-blooded Americans can't, know that all red-blooded Americans can't actually wear Uncle Sam's uniform. Because, well, because some of us are too young or too old to join the Army or Navy. But there is one big important way we can help. We can buy, we can lend our money to us into the hands of American fighting men. Why, do you know that your dime spent for a war stamp is the same dime used to buy five forty-five caliber bullets? I guess you know, too, and the Japs and the Nazis certainly do, and the Japs and the Nazis certainly do, what he can do with five bullets. And speaking of sailors, you might be interested to learn that every time you buy five war stamps, that same 50 cents buys enough fuel oil to carry a destroyer a full mile closer to its objective. Now, that makes buying war stamps pretty exciting, doesn't it? Now, look, let's make a promise to ourselves right now. Let's promise to buy war-saving stamps every week regularly. And you can help even more than that. You can get your friends and your mother and father and all the people you know to buy war stamps and bonds regularly. They'll want to help, too, when you explain to them how important it is for all of us to do our share to help our brothers and friends in uniform. In this war, and we've got to help them. So remember, every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. In London, acting as foreign correspondent for the Daily Planet... Clark Kent and Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, too, have been caught in a web of mystery surrounding the tiny men, strange creatures who are no taller than a 12-inch ruler. In our last episode, we heard how our friends made the acquaintance of Professor Giraud, who, although once a teacher of chemistry and science at the Sorbonne University in Paris, is now a humble attendant at Madame Tussaud's famous waxworks in London. Professor Giraud is guarding a secret which the Nazi Gestapo is anxious to get his hands on. As our last episode ended, our friends were discussing the mystery of the tiny men with Professor Giraud when an air raid started. A bomb crashed through the house and became lodged in the center of the room. Suddenly, Kent realized that falling timbers and debris had cut off their exit through the door. They were trapped in a dark room in the center of which lay a delayed action bomb. Listen. No, I've got the falling timbers. We're caught in here. We can't get out. We've got to get out. That's a delayed action bomb. It may go off any second. Sleep in mackerel, Mr. Kent. Isn't there anything you can do? What, what, what can I do, Jim? Well, I don't know, but golly, we got to do something or we're finished. Can't we get out through the window? The window that I told you are nails shut. Oh, good <laughs> grief. Let's bust him and get out of here. He's too sorry drop to the ground. There is no fire escape. Oh. This is a job for Superman. But first, I better pretend to pass out as Clark Kent. They'll never see me in the dark. What are you saying, Clark? I, I, I can't stand this nervous tension. Oh. My, my nerves never were anything oh. good. I tell you, physical violence of any sort frightens me just the way those tiny men frighten oh. you. Tiny men frighten you. I feel faint. Oh, gosh, Mr. Kent, try to... Oh, Oh, she's passed out cold. Well, that cream pop always was a big help and the going got tough. What's that? What was that noise? I don't know, Jimmy. I'd say that someone had pulled that bomb out of the floor. Someone did. Look, a shadow by the window. You're right, Jimmy. And it looks to me like... Jimmy! Like... Jimmy! It is, Miss Lane. It's... It is, Miss Lane. It's the shadow of Superman. And he's got that bomb in his arms. Hey, Superman! Through the window. Up! Up! And away! 
Thank heaven I managed to get out of that room with this bomb before it went. Managed to get out of that room with this bomb before it went off. Hello, is that a Nazi bomb? Well, I think we may have. I'll just poke my index finger. I'll just poke my index finger through the steel. So, push the pin down to set off the chemical firing mixture. Chemical firing mixture. Is right. This bomb ought to explode just as it hits that bomber. Look out! She's right back into your lap. Practically blew him out of the sky. Nice hunting. Nice hunting indeed. Can you say that house is where Sherlock Holmes lived, Mr. Kent? Yes, Jimmy. Well, did Sherlock Holmes actually exist? Well, that's a question, Jim. But I can tell you that a lot of people believe he did. The London Post Office receives thousands of letters every year addressed to Sherlock Holmes at this address. Gosh, he sure was a great detective. We could use somebody like him to clean up the mystery of the tiny men. We could also use somebody to clean up the mystery of the missing. Report to me how you came to be missing from Professor Giro's apartment last night after the lights went on. Well, I said... Well, at least you haven't explained it to my satisfaction. I told you I jumped out of the window. Oh, Clark. Well, people do crazy things under the influence of fear. Well, it seems mighty queer to me. One minute you're lying on the floor in a cold faint. And then when the lights go on, we hear you calling from the ground below, crying your head off about a sprained ankle. I twisted it when I fell. Oh, I see. Lucky I didn't break my neck. Lucky for whom? And another thing, that ankle of yours doesn't look any more sprained to me than mine does. Whoa. Well, it's not swollen or anything. Hey, listen, you two. If we don't hurry, we're going to be late for our appointment with Professor Giroux at Madame Tussauds Waxworks. It's just around the corner. We won't be late. Come on. Gosh. I can hop. Gosh. I can hardly wait to see Madame Tussauds. Did the professor say he'd show us through the whole exhibit? Certainly did, Jim. The Chamber of Horrors and everything? Oh, Jimmy, you're impossible. I wouldn't mention the Chamber of Horrors, Jim. You see, it's an exhibit of notorious murders and things of that sort. Considering what happened last oh, night... Gee, that's right. I ought to have thought of that. Well, just remember not to mention it again. Well, here we are at Madame Tussauds. And sure enough, there's Professor Giro in his attendance uniform. What a pity to think of a man with his intellect working at a job like that. Mm. Might be worse. At least it serves as a means of livelihood until he can go back to France and take up his duties at the university again. Mm. Oh, Professor, good afternoon. Bonjour, my friend. Good afternoon, Professor. I have a ring when you are ready to keep it. Coming to this way, through the town. Oh, thank you. That's nice. Gee, this is quite a place. That huge wide stairway going up to the second floor. That is where the exhibits are. All that is for the Chamber of Horrors. Huh? And that is in this tenor. We will visit that later. Oh, gosh, we thought... Jimmy. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. Jimmy, I am not sure if the exhibit of historical figures is open yet. Would you mind if it's open yet? Would you mind asking that attendant standing over there? Oh, not at all. Be glad to. Excuse me, sir. Could you tell me if the exhibit of historical figures is missing? <laughs> <laughs> Mister, I said, could you tell me... Jumping Jiminy. He's made a wax. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a real man. He sure got a hand at the Madame Tussauds. Madame Tussauds, Jimmy, was a stupid artist. Her wax statues are more lifelike than the people themselves. I can believe that. Well, come, my friend. Let us go to the exhibit. Professor, I understand visitors can buy small wax statues as souvenirs. That, are they expensive? I do not really know, mademoiselle. You might ask that attendant standing there. Very well. Oh, no. You can't play the same trick twice, Professor. Can I help you, miss? Oh, why, he is real. <laughs> I thought he was made of wax. <laughs> Don't tell you, miss, if I may say so. I should say it is. On my friends, this way. 
It is a de deliberate trick, you see, having some attendants made of wax and some real. The real ones stand perfectly motionless, so that it is almost impossible after a time to tell which is which. It's <laughs> a wonderful joke. Say, what's in this small room off here? That is the room of fairy tales. Oh. To my own mind, it is the finest part of the exhibit. I am especially in love with this leaping beauty. Come, I will show her to you. Gosh, what a room. Each exhibit has its own special light, hmm? Yes, a special spotlight for each. Each one, in different colors, of course. Uh -huh. The lights set the mood. There, for instance, is sleeping beauty, and there is a soft blue light on her. Oh, isn't it lovely, Clark? Sleeping beauty lying on that couch and the young prince bending over is about to kiss her and wake her up. Oh, it's enchanting. Hey, look. Hmm? She's breathing. What? Sure, look. Her hands are folded across her, and they're rising and falling as she breathes. Well, isn't that amazing? It is indeed. The most starting realistic effect. Starting realistic effect. There is a little bellows inside the figure, operated by a small motor. Oh. Yes, yes, she is indeed the most beautiful creature I have ever set eyes on. My professor, you sound as if she were... My professor, you sound as if she were actually alive. Sometimes to me she seems that... Oh, well, never mind. Here is the next fairy tale, seeing the dragon with a javelin. Oh, hey, Scott, that is realistic. You are right. As a matter of fact, it looks more realistic to me than usual. It has probably been touched up by the artists in the past few days. And do you have a staff of artists who go about touching up these exhibits? Oh, yes, yes, these statues require a good deal of care. Hey, golly, look at this exhibit over here. What is it, Jim? Well, it's Gulliver in the Land of the Lilliputians. Lilliputians, Jim. Lilliputians, huh? Jim. Huh? Really? That should be interesting. Let's have a look. What's the matter, Professor? Something wrong? No, 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 no. It is nothing. It... It is only that those Lilliputians, they are so like the tiny men. So like the tiny men. Oh, yes, of course. Jim does manage to put his foot into things now and then, Professor. Oh, it's all right. Come, do not let us spoil the boys' fun. Gosh, look how big Gulliver is and how small those men are. Those men are. Golly, I bet they look just like the tiny men. Don't they, Miss Lane? Yes, Jim, they do. As a matter of fact, they are about the same size. Gives me a queer feeling just to look at them. Now, take it easy, Lois. Just the sight of something like that. Harmless as it is, it brings back a... Oh, and let's look back at... Oh, and let's look at another exhibit. All right. Let's take a look at this. Right? Let's take a look at this. Wait, wait a minute. What's the matter, Clark? What is it? Oh, I thought I saw... I did see it. Look, what? one of those Lilliputians is... Look, what? one of those Lilliputians is moving. Hey, oh, he's coming right toward us. Oh, dear, it's a new wet. It's yours. This is one of the tiny men. What do we do? Stand where you are. Don't move. Oh, Clark. Look. Clark. The little thing is stopping. It's lifting its arm. Oh, golly. It's pointing a finger at you, Professor. I cannot... Ah. Oh. Sarah Lois, you're missing Oh, gosh, she's always saying. Just when things are getting exciting. Yes, yes, yes. Easy does it, Professor. The trick, you hear? A trick. Let me handle it. What? What was that? Something moved at the other side of the room. Something moved at the other side of the room. Oh, look, look. Jimmy, what? The Black Knight. He's moving too. What? He's raising that javelin. Look out. He's going to throw it at the professor. Well, strange things seem to be happening in the fairy tale room at Madame Tussaud's Waxworks in London. It begins to look as if we may be reaching a solution to the mystery of the tiny men. For with Superman on the scene, even in his disguise of Clark Kent, you may be certain nothing will escape him. Be certain nothing will escape him. In any event, be sure to hear the next drill packed episode. 
Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Yes, be sure to tune in again tomorrow for another thrilling Superman episode. And don't forget what else you're going to do tomorrow. You're going to buy war stamps as you're going to buy war stamps as often as you can get mother or dad to give you a dime. Now you know when you see that big capital S on a three-cornered shield, you'll recognize it as the emblem of Superman. And you know at once what that stands for. Likewise, when you see the capital letters U.S. on a war-saving stamp or bond, you'll recognize them as the emblem of Uncle Sam. And Uncle Sam. And it represents a pledge from Uncle Sam to you. His pledge to use every dime you lend him when you buy war-saving stamps for more bullets and guns and planes and all the other things the American armed forces need to win a smashing victory from the Nazis and the Japs. So don't put off buying war stamps. Buy one every time you've got a dime. Uncle Dime. Uncle Sam is depending on you. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same day through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh? It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings at a single bound. It's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend the steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Yes, fellows and girls, here is an important message for you. A message that comes direct from our fighting marines in the Solomon Islands. A message echoed by our blue jackets on the high seas, by the boys who wear our army and navy wings, by our tank troops in Africa, our commandos in England, 
In fact, by every man in the American armed forces, no matter where he may be. And here's the message. We're going to win this war, they say. We're going to wipe Hitlerism and fascism off the face of this earth. We've taken on the job and we're going to see it through, but we can't do it alone. We can't do it without the help of every boy and girl and every man and woman back home. Now, we know the one way we can help those boys fight this war to a victorious finish is to see that they get all the guns and tanks and ships and planes they need. But those things require a lot of money, and that's where you and I come in. We help our government to buy those war materials by lending them our money, by buying all the war stamps we possibly can. Why, right at this moment, probably, there's a detachment of American commandos carrying through a raid on occupied France. And they're equipped with guns and tanks and protected by planes and ships that you help to buy. That is, if you've been buying war-saving stamps regularly. Now, let's make a promise to ourselves right now. Let's promise to buy war-saving stamps regularly as often as we can. Tell mother and dad about it, and see if you can't get them to give you a dime a day for a war stamp, or even a dime every other day. Remember that every dime is important, because ten cents will buy five forty-five caliber bullets to be used by our soldiers, sailors, and Marines. Five dimes will buy enough fuel oil to take an American destroyer one full mile closer to its objective. And a dime a day from all the fellows and girls in the United States will buy enough fast pursuit planes to blast Hitler's Luftwaffe out of the sky. So start right now to do your share to win this war. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. As you know, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen are now in London, where Kent and Lois are acting as foreign correspondents. They have made the acquaintance of a certain Professor Giraud, a scientist who has invented a secret formula the Nazis want desperately. To obtain the formula, the ingenious Dr. Heinrich Weidt, Gestapo agent, once again made use of the mysterious tiny men, men no taller than a 12-inch ruler. But again, thanks to Superman, the tiny men failed. Dr. Weidt is still on the trail of the formula. He has also been ordered to remove Kent and Lois. As our story continues today, we find Lois and Jimmy visiting the Tower of London. It is four o'clock of a windy afternoon, shortly before closing time. Gosh, it's cold out here on the lawn. That wind cuts through you like a knife. Well, you said you wanted to see the spot where the scaffold used to stand. Yeah, well, let's hurry up and see it and go. Well, we haven't seen the bloody tower yet, Jimmy, and I've got to have a look at that before we go. It'll make an interesting story for the Daily Planet. The Bloody Tower. Gee, now you're talking. I'd like to see the Bloody Tower myself. Look, here's the spot where the scaffold used to stand. Yeah? See, it's marked off with posts and chains. It was on this very spot that many famous people were beheaded. Sir Walter Raleigh, the Earl of Essex, Lady Jane Grey was beheaded. I beg your pardon, miss. What? Oh, oh I... it's one of the beef eaters. Fellas who guard the tower. Gosh, look at that costume he's wearing. Yes. Now, this costume, lad, has not been changed in over 300 years. It's the traditional costume of the warders of the Tower of London. Gee. Oh, I couldn't help over you and you give the lad a, a bit of misinformation, miss. So I just thought I'd step in and set you right. Oh? I... Uh, lady John Grey wasn't beheaded on this spot at all. The head was taken off that lady in the bloody tower itself. If you'd be interested in seeing the exact spot, I'd be glad to show it to you. We were just about to visit the bloody tower, but I certainly don't want to impose upon... Oh, no imposition at all, miss. Here's the entrance to the tower, just through that arch. Follow me. Gosh, Miss Lane, this place certainly seems deserted. I'm beginning to get kind of a funny feeling. Oh, it's just the atmosphere, Jimmy. It, it is sort of depressing. 
Look at that gray winter sky and those black forbidding towers silhouetted against it. Gosh, even Big Ben sounds melancholy. Yeah. Well, here we are inside the tower. That big old door there closes off the entrance to the cellar. If you'll wait here for me, I'll get the keys. Certainly. I won't be more than half a tick, Oh, ma'am. take your time. There's no hurry. Well? I ain't going through with it, Dr. White. Miss Lane and the boy are out there? Yes, but I... Since you've gone this far, you'll finish the job. I tell you, don't stop being a fool, Slippery. Don't call me that out loud. Not here. Somebody might hear you. There is no one about now. Listen to me. You're in this up to your neck. You've got to go through with it. You know as well as I do that if the London police lay hands on you, it means life imprisonment. Oh, yes, yes, but I... I'm the man who can tell them exactly where to find you. Now, enough of this talk, Slippery. Those two beef eaters whose costumes we borrowed and who are now resting quietly in that closet over there may come to it any moment. They've got to get this job done before the tower closes for the day. You have your orders. Carry them out. I've never committed murder before. There's 100 pounds in this for you if you do. There's life imprisonment if you don't. Make up your mind. All right. All right, I'll do it. Excellent. Now, go. You ready, miss? Yes, we'll have to hurry, I'm afraid. It's almost closing time. Oh, you needn't worry your head about that. I'll see that you get out all right. Half a tick and I'll have this door open. Okay. Gosh, look at the size of that key. Aye, lad. Everything was made strong and solid back 300 years ago. Oh, this door now, stout oak it is. You'd never be able to break through that. I guess not. Ah, there we are. Now, if you'll just follow me. Oh, golly, it looks awfully spooky down there. Nothing but a big black hole. In the air, it's foul. Oh, this place ain't been opened in many a month, miss. Not since it was closed off to the public. I'm not sure I want to go down into that cellar water. Oh, gosh, Miss Lane, why not? Aye, miss. There's not to arm you. I've got a flashlight with me and the air will soon clear. And the lad does want to see the torture instruments, the rack and all that. And you wants to see that room where Lady Jean Grey was beheaded. Oh, I didn't particularly want to see it. It seems to me that you practically insisted on it. Oh, now, look here, miss. I ain't insisting on nothing, I ain't. If you don't want to see it, you don't want to see it. Though I must say you're passing up a mighty fine chance. I suppose you're right. Very well. Lead the way. That's the spirit, miss. Come along. Watch your step careful on those stone stairs. They're wall way bad in spots. Yes, be careful, Jimmy. Oh, don't worry about me. Gosh, isn't it damp and clammy down in here? Sure is. Look at those cobwebs. Oh, how long did you say this cellar has been closed off to the public? Oh, months now, lad, months. Oh. Well, I guess that would be long enough for cobwebs like these. Well, they sure look like they've been here for centuries. They ought to air this place out now and then, too, Almost impossible to... What, what was that? Something just ran across the beam of your flashlight. Uh, just a mouse, miss. It looked a lot larger than a mouse. And it was the shadow you saw. Ah, here we are now. This here's the cellar. The beheading room is over this way. You follow me. You know, I... I sort of wish we hadn't come down here. The place gives me the creeps. Does me too, Jim. Oh, make a good story, though, and... I must say, Here's I the door leading to the beheading room. The room where Lady Jane Grey lost her head. <laughs> That's a joke, miss. Lost her head. Get it? Yes. 
I'll just open the door and we'll go in. That's another one of those huge oak doors. Aye, this one is all of a foot thick. Yeah, locks a bit rusty. Ah, uh, yeah, that does it. There we are. Now, if you'll just step inside. Yes, certainly. Come on, Jim. All right, with you. Terribly dark in here. Could you just flash your light? Jim, the door is closing. Jim, quick! Open this door! There, it's done. They won't be found for months, maybe years. Now to get out of here and get out fast. Trapped in the dungeon of a condemned cellar in the bloody tower, Jimmy and Lois are in a bad way indeed. Hours later, having become worried about them when they failed to appear for dinner, Clark Kent arrives at the tower gate in search of his friends. In the king's name, who goes? My name is Clark Kent. I'm an American reporter. And You'll I'm... have to come back tomorrow, sir. If you wish to see the tower, it's closed now. But you don't understand. I'm looking for some friends of mine who came to visit the tower today and who haven't returned home yet. Well, I'm sure they're not in the tower, sir. It's rare that anyone gets locked in. However, come with me to the gatehouse and we'll get in touch with the night waters. I'm sure you'll find that they are nowhere within the tower. Really, Mr. Kent, I'm at the end of my patience. But I tell you, if you... We don't... spent an hour and a half searching the entire Tower of London, sir. Even though the night warders assured you your friends were not here. Well, isn't there... We've just finished going through the bloody tower, and you now ask if there isn't any other place we can search. But couldn't your friends have gone somewhere else when they left here? Well, they might have, but I... Wait a minute. Where does that door lead to? To the cellar. And what used to be the torture chamber. The rack is down there in a room known as the beheading room. Well, how about having a look down there? Well, that's out of the question, sir. Why? That cellar's been closed off to the public for over three months now. It's been condemned as being unsafe. Oh. No, your friends couldn't possibly be down there. You see, it's not permitted, sir. Uh Uh-huh. I see. Oh, look here. I I know you're worried, and, well, I'd like to help you. Let's go into the gatehouse. It's right over there. And call your flat. Perhaps your friends have returned by this time. All right, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Well, come along, man. Thank you. Well, here we are. I'll put the call through. What's your telephone number? Westminster 76824. Right. Hello. Are you there? Westminster 76824. Thank you. Oh, here you are, sir. They're ringing now. Oh, thank you. Hello? Oh, hello, who is this? Professor Giraud. Oh. Is that you, Mr. Kent? Yes, Professor. I heard the phone ringing in your flat here, and I came in to answer it. Have you found Mademoiselle Lane and Jimmy? Oh, no, that's why I'm calling. I-, I wondered if they had returned. No, no, they have not. No? Perhaps if you... <sighs> no. Hello? Professor, is something wrong? The tiny men, they are here. What? They have come for me. The tiny men... Hello. Professor. Professor. Is something wrong? Plenty. I've got to leave. Excuse me. This calls for fast work. It also calls for Superman. Up, up, and away! Well, things certainly are beginning to happen. What of Jimmy and Lois in the cellar of the Bloody Tower? Will Superman find them in time? And what of Professor Giraud and the tiny men? 
By the way, have you solved the mystery of the tiny men yet? Well, be sure to listen tomorrow, same time, same station, for an important clue. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Fellows and girls, don't ever get the idea there's nothing you can do to help to win this war. Of course, we can't all be members of Uncle Sam's armed forces. Because, well, because some of us are too young or too old. But that doesn't mean we can't get into this fight. No, sir. Because there is one big important thing we can do. We've got to see that our fighters are supplied with all the bullets and guns and the tanks and ships and planes they need to wipe Hitlerism and fascism off the face of the earth by buying all the war-saving stamps and bonds that we possibly can. Because every time we do, we lend our government money with which to finance our fight. So remember, talk with Mother and Dad tonight about giving you a dime every day or every other day for war-saving stamps. And buy extra stamps from your weekly allowance, too. Talk about it with all your friends. Get them to make a pledge with you to buy war-saving stamps regularly. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, then steal in his bare hands and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Fellas and girls, every day the city, state, and national offices of civilian defense organizations are swamped with letters from young people like yourselves. And most of these letters ask, what can I do, what part can I take in the national war effort? The writers of these letters are all too young to join the United States Armed Forces, too young to join any of the numerous home defense groups. And yet they ask, isn't there something we can do? Some of you listening now are no doubt among those who have written those letters. And I'll bet many of you who have not written have thought the same thing. Well, the answer is a very simple one, and here it is. You can do your part in civilian defense. You can help win this war by buying war-saving stamps regularly. How does that help you ask? How can my dime or 20 or 40 or 50 cents help win this war? That's easy. For instance, your dime, just 10 cents, will buy five 45 caliber bullets that can be used by our soldiers, sailors, or Marines to knock five Japs or five Nazis out of commission. And believe me, it's going to take a lot of those bullets to knock them all out and win this war. Another thing, 50 cents, which represents five 10 cents, or two 25-cent war-saving stamps, will buy enough fuel oil to bring one of our destroyers a full mile closer to the Jap fleet in the Solomon Islands. And you know what happens when our Navy gets close enough to turn on the heat. 
And here's one more thing for you to think over. If every fella and girl in the United States bought at least five ten-cent war-saving stamps every day, the amount of money they would lend to the government would buy enough fighter planes and bombers to blast Hitler's Luftwaffe right out of the air. So remember that each and every dime is important. That buying war-saving stamps is a very important way to help win this war. So why not pledge today to buy war-saving stamps regularly? And keep in mind this slogan. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman is now trying to solve the mystery of the tiny men. The tiny men have on several occasions appeared in London where Kent and Lois Lane, girl reporter, are now working as foreign correspondents. No taller than an ordinary milk bottle or a 12-inch ruler, the tiny men are nevertheless deadly, for they've already caused the death of the daughter of Professor Giraud, a scientist who possesses a secret formula desperately wanted by the Nazis. In our last episode, we heard how Jimmy and Lois, while visiting the Tower of London, were trapped by a Nazi agent in a condemned dungeon of the Bloody Tower. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, investigated the tower that night but failed to find his friends. At the suggestion of the chief warder, he telephoned their hotel, thinking they might have returned. Professor Giraud answered the phone. In the midst of their conversation, the professor suddenly screamed in fear. The tiny men, he cried. They're here. They're after me. The phone went dead. Leaving the tower quickly, Superman stripped off the disguise of Clark Kent and went into action. We join him now as he streaks down out of the night sky and lands in front of the boarding house on Bayswater Road. There. That didn't take me long. Fortunately, the streets are deserted at this hour. I'd better get inside and see what's happened to Professor Giraud. No time to change identities. Ah, there's the flat. Door wide open. Mm. Professor Giraud lying on the floor. Great, Scott. Mm. Professor. Professor Giraud. Is that you, Monsieur Kent? Is that... No! Who are you? Never mind that now. I'm here to help you. Tell me quickly what happened. I, I had the telephone ringing. Yes. I came in here to answer it. I know. It was a friend of mine, Clark Kent. He wanted to know... Yes, yes, but what happened here? While I, I talked to him, I had movement behind me. I turned... Yes, yes, go on. Try to go on, please. Tiny men... Three, four of them what? standing in the doorway. The sight of them so queer, so strange, I fainted. They have always filled me with horror, and I am an old man. What then? Uh, what happened after that? When I came to my senses, there were two men in the room. They called each other Muller and Dr. Wright. Oh? I have heard of Dr. Wright before. Cruel, vicious, shrewd. I... I talk too much. I have not much time. I must tell you. I must tell you. Yes, go on. They, they forced me, forced me to tell where I eat the formula. What? They are on their way now to get it. They must not. They must not. With that formula in that position, the world, the entire world is doomed. Where is it? The formula, I, where is it? Tell me you, quickly. I, I did it. I, I'm so tired. Tell me, where is the formula? Tired. Sleep. Sleep. Oh. Well, he'll never tell me now. Funny, though, his talking about sleep at a time like this. A dying man in these circumstances doesn't talk about sleep. Is he trying to tell me something? 
And if he was, what? Sleep. Doesn't make sense. Wait a minute and let... Yes, by heaven, it does. Sleep, of course. It couldn't mean anything else but that. Oh, if only I'm in time. If only... Out the window. Now then, up, up, and away! Faster than a speeding bullet, Superman wings his way across a silent, blacked-out London. Even as he does so, the warning wail of an air raid alert breaks the silence. And shortly after, the dull thudding of the Akak guns announced the arrival of enemy planes. And while the Luftwaffe tries to break through the defenses of London, as the RAF wings into the sky to do battle, a quiet scene is taking place outside the fairy tale exhibit at Madame Tussauds Waxworks. Here, come on up. Here's the entrance to the fairy tale exhibit. We shall soon have what we want, and then we'll, uh, then we shall really be masters of the world, eh? Well, is this formula, is it really so important? What exactly the formula is, I do not know. As to its importance, well, would I have been called to Dactus Garden to confer with our beloved Führer if it were not important? The Führer himself told me that on that formula depended the possible winning or losing of the war. You you think we shall be rewarded handsomely, eh? <laughs> We shall indeed. Now then, see if you can find a light switch. There should be one right here by the door. I saw it here. Look, the exhibits themselves light up. Yeah. I see they have replaced the exhibit of the Black Knight following that stupid failure of our henchmen. There is the Gulliver exhibit. And over there is the one we are looking for. Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Doctor, what is that figure standing over there? Hmm? Oh, the one in the red tape and the blue suit. Yes, with the letter S on his chest. Oh, probably some legendary hero of the English. I have never seen anything like him before. But come, the formula. Professor Giro said he had placed it between the hands of the Sleeping Beauty. Between the hands, yes. And there are her hands clasped across her breast. Will they break if we separate them? What does it matter? Look, Muller, my own hands are trembling. I who pride myself on my calm nerve, I tremble at the thought that in another moment the formula will be in our possession. Yes. I, too, am, am, am not myself. There's a feeling of, of tension in the air. Feeling that... Shh, quiet. I am now about to separate the hands of this wax figure. Now. <gasps> hey, doctor, we have been tricked. The formula's not here. But Professor Giraud said... He lied. He tricked us. He did not lie, Dr. Weiss. What? Who said that? I did, Dr. Weiss. But you leave Doctor, look. The wax figure. The man in the red cape is coming toward us. You're right, Muller. Wrong again. I'm no wax figure. I'm flesh and blood, as you two gentlemen will find out in a moment or two. I have a gun, whoever you are. And you know how to shoot it. You people always use the same line. Yeah. Well, if we must go through this dreary business again, let's get over it quickly. Point your gun at me and shoot. You have the formula. Hand it over. I have the formula, but I'm not handing it over. Finders keepers, you know. Then I'm afraid I must kill you, Come my here, Dr. White. You Nazi spokes that you're Superman. Let's see what you can do against a real Superman. My throat. Set your hands up my throat. Mala. I'm getting out of here quickly. Oh, no, you're not. He's lying. He's lying for the air. The greatest of ease. Sorry to do this, Muller. I'm afraid it'll hurt you more than it will me. Not so fast, fight. What have you or your men done with Miss Lane and Jimmy Olsen? I know nothing whatever about... That was just a love tap, Doctor. I want you to remain conscious until you tell me where they are. I tell you, I know nothing whatever. Come on now, before I lose my temper. I, I know nothing about them. I, I swear that you hear. I, I swear it. Mike, let's get one thing straight. No. Something happened to Jimmy and Miss Lane in the Tower of London today. I'm as sure of that as I've ever been of anything. You can save us both a great deal of trouble by telling me where they are. I haven't really started working on your fight, no. and I don't want to. No. But I will if you force me to. Now then, 
Are you going to talk or aren't you? Even as Superman tries to force Dr. Vibe to reveal the whereabouts of Lois Lane and Jimmy, the girl reporter and the Daily Planet's copy boy lie imprisoned in the dark cellar of the bloody tower. Far in the distance, they can hear the dull reverberations of German bombs falling on London. Jim, did you hear that? Yeah, kind of close. Jimmy, I don't like this. You remember what that so-called guard said about the cellar being closed off to visitors because it was unsafe? Yeah. Well, the bombings London has been subjected to must have done a great deal to weaken the supporting arches and beams down here. That rumbling we heard... I think it was one of the arches beginning to give way. Weeping mackerel. In that case, I wouldn't be surprised if this room collapsed on us. Nor I. Well, be a quicker death than starvation. Oh, gosh, don't talk about it. My stomach feels as empty as the inside of a bass drum. Miss Lane, you think Mr. Kent will find us maybe, huh? Well, he'll investigate, of course. He knows we came to the tower this afternoon. But I don't think they'll ever think of looking down here. No, Jimmy, I guess you and I might just as well. Jim, hey. Something hit me on the head. I heard like old Harry, too. Wait a minute, my hand just touched it. What is it? It's a piece of rock. Gee, that means the ceiling well, above us. Maybe not, Miss Lane. Maybe. Oh, why fool ourselves, Jim. This room is over 500 years old. They built them strong in those days, but not that strong. And that ceiling up there is beginning to give way at last. If another bomb or two falls anywhere near the Tower of London, our goose will be done to a turn. Uh-oh. Speak of the devil. Sounds like one of those German planes just dropped a stack of bombs right on the tower itself. Listen to them. Still exploding. Jimmy, listen. That must... Oh! Oh, what's on the head? Me too. Leaping mackerel, they're falling all around. Jimmy, we've got to get out of here. If we go... Oh, we can't. Listen, that ceiling's giving way. It'll collapse any minute now. There's nothing Jimmy or Lois can do. But there's plenty Superman could do if only he arrives in time. Everything depends on how long it takes him to force the confession from Dr. Byte. In our next episode, we'll know what happened. We'll also hear the solution to the strange mystery of the tiny men. Have you figured out the answer to the tiny men yet? Who are these strange little creatures no bigger than a milk bottle? Well, if you want the answer, be sure to listen in Monday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Well, there goes Superman until Monday of next week. Meanwhile, don't let the weekend go by without buying your share of war-saving stamps. And remember what I told you at the beginning of this program, you fellows and girls who are too young to join the armed forces or any of the national defense organizations. You can do your part. You can help win this war by buying war-saving stamps regularly. So talk it over tonight with Mother and Dad. Ask them to give you a dime every day or even every other day for war-saving stamps. And then buy some extra stamps out of your regular weekly allowance. Get all your friends to buy stamps regularly, too. Or better yet, why not organize a war-saving stamp club right on your block or in your neighborhood? Make this your club slogan. Every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings at a single bound. 
Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Fellas and girls, have you ever seen a squadron of American bombers roaring through the air in formation? Have you seen newsreel pictures of Uncle Sam's destroyers cutting through the seas on patrol in search of enemy subs and surface raiders? I'm sure you have, and I bet you were thrilled. You probably felt terribly proud, too. Well, if you've been buying war-saving stamps regularly, you have a right to be proud. Not only because those planes and those ships represent the fighting spirit of America, but because you helped to build them. Yes, sir, every time you bought a war-saving stamp, your money helped by the labor and materials that are used to make planes and ships and equipment to knock out the Nazis and the Japs. So next time you hear some boy or girl on your block say, Oh, shucks, what difference does it make if I buy one stamp or not? What difference can one dime make? You tell them it does make a difference. It makes a big difference. Tell them, for instance, that five dimes will buy enough fuel oil to take an American destroyer one full mile closer to its objective. Or that one dime will buy five forty-five caliber bullets. Tell them that if every boy and girl in the United States bought just one ten-cent war-saving stamp every day, it would add up to enough money to buy a lot of swift pursuit planes, with which our Army and Navy forces could blast the Axis out of the air. And while you're at it, you might remind them that this is one way that all you fellows and girls can help win this war. Now, after all, everybody can't join Uncle Sam's armed forces, but all of us can buy war-saving stamps. So talk it over with Mother and Dad tonight. Tell them you want to help Uncle Sam win this war by buying war-saving stamps regularly. Buy them every day if possible. And I'm sure that they're going to be glad to cooperate. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman and his disguise of Clark Kent, Lois Lane, girl reporter, and Jimmy Olsen, Clark's young friend, are now in colorful, romantic Arabia. Strange things have already begun to happen. Yesterday, Lois wanted to have her future read by a fortune teller in the bazaars of Mecca, and she was a little upset when the fortune teller, a look of terror on his face, refused to tell her fortune. Shortly afterward, as they continued to push their way through the noisy, crowded bazaars, Jimmy and Kent suddenly realized that Lois was not with them, that she had mysteriously vanished. Has something happened to Lois? We'll know in a moment. Listen. 
I don't see Lois at all, Jimmy. She couldn't have fallen that far behind. We've got to find her, and right away. Sally, you don't suppose she's been... I mean, that fortune teller and everything... You don't think... There's no time for thinking, Jim. We've got to act. Well, what do we do? First, we've got to be sure that Lois hasn't stopped off in one of the shops to buy something. Oh, she wouldn't have done that without well, telling us. We've got to make sure. Come on. Wait. Mr. Kent, look. What? That man with the red hat on his head. The Fez. Yes, he's the same one you bumped into several times by accident. It was no accident. Mr. Kent, there's something queer about that bird. Look. Look at that, that sort of half-smile on his face. Yes, there is something about the way he's looking at us that... Come on, Jim. We're going to have a talk with that Arab. Okay. Is he an Arab? Well, he's certainly dressed like one. Look, he's starting to move away through the crowd. He doesn't want to talk to us. So it's coming. I noticed that, too. Well, we just have to catch up with him. Are you there? Wait a minute. Just a minute there. Oh, he's stopping. Look, he's turning around. Gosh, he's so tall and thin and strange looking. You there. I am oh. honored, Effendi. Do you wish to talk to me? Uh, you've been pretty close to us ever since we came into this street. My young friend here bumped into you several times. The streets are narrow, Effendi. I regret any inconvenience. No, it isn't that I want to talk about. A young lady with us. Did you notice her by any chance? Notice her? Yes. Uh, vaguely, yes. I was aware there was a female with you. And why do you ask? Is something amiss? Uh, no. No, thanks, thanks. Sorry to have troubled you. Shrekanan, you Effendi. Shrekanan. Golly, he sure left in a hurry. Slid into the crowd like, like a snake. Didn't get much out of him, I'm afraid. Can't understand it, Jim. Something's happened to Lois. I'm convinced of it now. I am, too. What can we do about it? I don't know. Let me think. Jim, that fortune teller, you remember the one who refused to tell Lois his fortune because he said something terrible was going to happen to her? Yeah, but you said he was a fake, that it was just a trick. Oh, all fortune tellers are fakes, Jim. Which leads me to believe this one was in on whatever game is being played here. You mean you, you think he might know what's happened to Miss Lane? I wouldn't be at all surprised. Come on. We're going to find that fortune teller and make him open up. Maybe he won't talk. Maybe he... he'll talk if we have to choke every word out of him. Come on, Jim. There he is. Fortunes, fortunes. Tell your fortune. I want to see you, mister. Fendi, you wish your fortune. No, leave me in peace. But, Shavani, you are the one with the female. Leave me in peace. I'll leave you in peace, friend, after you tell me what I want to know. What has happened to that young woman? No, no, no. I will not tell. It is too... Never mind too... the build-up. She's disappeared. Vanished. Now, I want to know what's happened to she her. She had vanished already so soon. What do you mean? Her fate was written in the sands. I dared not tell her, but I thought not it would come so soon. Oh, stop the mumbo-jumbo. I'm convinced you know what's happened to her. This is all part of some trick. Trick? Trick? You, you think I fool you? Well, certainly. You don't expect me to believe that you actually saw anything written in that silly sand of yours. Of course, of course. I might have known. You are not an Oriental. You come not from the East. You could not possibly believe that I have power to tell the future. Of course we don't believe it. It's a fake, isn't it, Mr. Kent? Naturally. So be it. Fortune, fortune, Effendi. Oh, he's ignoring us, Mr. Kent. What are we going to do? Well, physical violence won't do any good with his kind, I'm afraid, Jim. Maybe we'd better try playing the game. What do you mean? You'll see. Uh, look, friend. Yes? Uh, I, uh, I've got to find that young woman. She's vanished. Disappeared completely. Can you... Can you help me? Perhaps it is possible, and perhaps the sands will tell what you should do. Shall I read the sands, Effendi? Yes, yes, please do. Very well. I, I stare the sands. I stare the sands so. And now I gaze upon what there is writ. What do you see? Wait, wait, Effendi, wait. Gosh, Mr. Ken, look. His eyes are positively blazing. Gee, maybe there is something in this fortune-telling business. Huh? Nonsense, Jim, nonsense. Effendi? Yes? Here's what you must do if you would find the female. 
Yes, go on. When the muezzin calls from the minaret, follow on where the music shall lead. Huh? I don't understand. I can tell you no more. When the muezzin calls from the minaret, follow on where the music shall lead. That hardly tells us a thing when the muezzin calls from the minaret. Hello. What's going on back there? There seems to be trouble of some sort, Mr. Kent. There's a whole crowd of arrows milling around someone or something. Did you hear that, Mr. Kent? I certainly did. Someone needs help. Oh, come on, then. Let's help them before that crowd kills them. Not on your life. They tear us to bits. You wait here. Where are you going, Mr. Kent? You get the police. I'll be back in a jiffy. Huh. Here's a dark doorway. No one can see me here. I couldn't possibly handle that mob as Clark Kent, but I certainly can as Superman. Now, to step out into the street and join the fun. Up, up, and at him. There. All right, out of the way. Out of the way. Let me get to that man. Oh, you would, would you? Oh, meet me, John. Jolly good old boy. Jolly old Superman. Jimmy, get back there. Get out of the way. Not in your life. I'm going to help you if I can. There, you take that. <laughs> nice work, youngster. I wish I could handle him the way you do. You're throwing him around by the dozens. They're scattering fast. Well, looks like you've done the trick. Yes, it does. Take care of our English friend over there. I've got to leave now. Oh, but Superman, wait a minute. Up, up and away! Oh, golly. What a man. Uh, you there, boy. Help me up here. Will you help me up? Gosh, you're in a bad way, sir. Those Arabs would have killed you if it hadn't been for Superman. Well, I joy will think they did anyhow. The skulls cracked me on repair. The back springs so I can hardly stand, but I'm not sure... Oh, no. No. What is it, sir? Me monocle. Your what? Me monocle. Me eyeglass. Oh, look at it. Look at it lying in the dust, shattered beyond recall. Oh, gosh. I thought it was something oh, pretty sir. bad the way you talk. It's only a monocle. Only a monocle. Only a monocle. Hear me, my dear misguided youth. That monocle has been twice around the world. No ordinary monocle. That played to the crowned heads of Europe. To the President of the United States, the Premier of France. Hey, what's going on here? Or rather, what stopped here? What happened to the riot? Oh, Superman took a hand in it. What? It didn't last long after that. Superman, eh? I wonder where he came from. All I know is he always manages to turn up when he's most needed. Oh, dear. Perhaps if I were to fit the pieces together with some sort of sickly bob. What's the matter with him, Jim? Oh, me. The Arabs almost killed him before Superman arrived. And all he cares about now is that broken monocle. Uh, excuse me, oh, my, my name is Clark Kent, and this is my friend Jimmy Olsen. We tried to come to your rescue. Uh, yes, 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 devilishly sporting of you. Too bad you couldn't save my monocle, you know. Oh, uh, excuse me, frightfully neglectful of me, forgot to introduce myself. My name is Sir Mycroft Bittersweet. Oh. That's my stage name, you know. I've forgotten my real one. Oh, you're an actor. An actor? I am an interpreter, sir. An interpreter of the bard. Shakespeare, you know. Uh, William. Three times around the world, sir. Three times? I thought you said the monocle had been around the world twice. Uh, well, yes, I left it at home once. <laughs> oh, so yes. you're a Shakespearean actor. Oh, quite. Uh, how did you start this riot? What made those Arabs so mad? Oh, oh, oh that, yes, yes. Frightfully sordid business. Dates, sir. Dates? Yes, I ate some dates from that stand over there. And the ruddy proprietor of the establishment demanded payment. Quite right, of course. Yes. I said I'd pay him by reciting a speech from the immortal works of Shakespeare. And I did so. What's that? He hit me on the head oh. with a slightly used pomegranate. <laughs> Awkward, most. Yes. I, I take it you haven't any money. Money? Money? Of what use is money, sir, to an interpreter of... What's that? Oh, the Muezzin, Mohammedan Clare of the Hour of Prayer. 
If you ask me, could you use a few lessons in voice culture? Please, quiet. Uh... Gosh, look. All the Arabs are kneeling, facing the east. Yes. When the muezzin calls from the minaret, follow on where the music leads. Well, if there was anything in what that fortune teller said, we ought to hear some music or something, oughtn't we? Yes. Quiet, listen. Hear anything? No, and of course we wouldn't. It, it was nothing but just... Wait. Listen. I say, devilishly odd music, that. Where's it coming from? What interests me is where it's going to lead us to. Come on, let's follow it. But how? How can we follow music? Well, I don't know, Jim, but we'll try. Come on. I say, old man, may I come to... Huh? If you want to. Oh, right. You never know, I might be of some help. World travelers such as myself picks up a good deal of useful knowledge four times around the world. Well, our friends are having some weird and interesting adventures and meeting some odd characters in the bargain. What strange mystery is beginning to weave itself around Kent and Jimmy in Arabia? What has happened to Lois? Will the music lead them to her? Be sure to hear tomorrow's exciting episode. Listen every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. By all means, don't forget to tune in to Superman tomorrow for another thrilling and exciting episode. And don't forget to talk to Mother and Dad before you go to bed tonight about making arrangements to buy war-saving stamps regularly. Start the day off right tomorrow. Buy at least one ten-cent war-saving stamp first thing after breakfast. And remember what I told you at the beginning of this program. Every single dime is important because all our dimes put together can go a long way to help pay for the guns and the tanks and the planes and the ships that we need to knock out the Nazis and Japs. And say, here's an idea. Why don't you get together with your friends tomorrow and make a joint pledge to buy war-saving stamps every time you've got a dime? See which of you can buy the most war-saving stamps every week and every month. In that way, you'll be doing your share to win this war. Faster than the speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive! Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!